Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14 this evening. As we continue on through the Bibles, we've looked at patriarchs, we looked at prophets. And last week we began to, the last two weeks we've been looking at the book of Exodus, looked at its introductions. We're not going verse by verse, we're just going through uh, different uh, themes, different chapters as the Lord leads me and directs me as uh, I pro- proclaim the word of God to you folks. And uh, tonight I want to focus on chapter 14, verses 1 through 15 tonight. Exodus chapter 14, verse, verses 1 through 15. Of course, this is, this is after the children of Israel through the wondrous works of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord uh, allows his people to go, his, his, the Israelites, the Hebrews, the Jews, through all those different plagues that we read about. And then ultimately they're led, they're led to go. And, and of course Moses, is, who's been the backside of the desert for 40 years, been in Egypt for 40 years, now he's going to lead them for 40 years, begins his journey to lead them out. Remember we talked about the, the, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, Pillar of cloud by day and pillar of cloud by night. We talked about how that relates to Holy Spirit and how he leads us, how he guides us. We looked at the similarity between the two and we talked about that a little bit last night. But now we're getting to the place where they're coming to a place of difficulty. Because <laughs> the reality of life, the, Christ, the Christian life, is there is, there is a, quite a bit of difficulty. If anybody says, you know, well, I'll get saved and everything's going to be easy, they haven't lived the Christian life very long. There's a, I've said this before, and I'll say it again probably many more times. There's a lot of false teaching. It's called the prosperity gospel. And they, and they say falsely that if, every, if you have any problems in your life, the, the reason why is because you have sin. Now, obviously, some sin is, is an issue we all struggle with. Everyone in the scripture struggled with sin except for Jesus Christ. There's two people in the Old Testament, not much is said about sin in their life, Joseph and Daniel, but even those men sinned. We even said, talked about recently even Mary, even the, the, the one that the Catholics pray so much, she was a sinner who was saved by the grace of God. Okay? So, <clears throat> realizing all that, we have trouble. But there's a group of folks, sadly preachers, who say if you have problems, you must, it has to be sin. You just don't, you don't have enough faith. Well, dear friend, Paul the Apostle had a whole lot of faith, and he had problems. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was left for dead. <laughs> Ultimately, he, his head was taken from his body as he was a prisoner in Rome because he appealed to Caesar, even though he didn't have to, but he followed the will of God. So we see the children of Israel are going through a difficulty. They, they find themselves, as the title of the message is, living between the devil and the deep blue sea. And sometimes we find ourselves in the exact, that exact spot. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Pirarath and, and between Migdol and the sea and against Baal Zephron before it, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. And for Pharaoh was saying of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land and the wilderness has shut them in. And, I'll, and I will harden the Pharaoh's heart, and he shall follow after them, and I will be honored, among, um, uh, honored upon Pharaoh and, up, and upon all his hosts. And the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. 
and was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. The heart of Pharaoh and all his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why? Why have thou done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? It made ready the chariot and took his people with him. He took 600 chariots, 600 chosen chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out on with, high, with a high hand. Then the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his, and his army and forbescook overtook them encamping by the sea besides uh, Pi-Harathoth before Bel-Zaphon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were so afraid the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, thou hast taken us to die in the wilderness. Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not, the, this, is not this the word which we tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show unto you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord will, the Lord will fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. The Lord said to Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. Lord, we just we ask for your help tonight. Help us, Lord, as we've read these verses, Lord, to understand them, to apply them to our daily lives. May this not be simply an ap- ap- uh, academic adventure. May it simply just be may it not be simply head knowledge of understanding things we've heard for so many years, the children leaving Israel children of Israel leaving Israel, uh, leaving Egypt. But God, help, this, help us in our own lives realize the, the plights that we find ourselves and like the children of Israel, trust in you when, when we really need to. And all of us may find ourselves at any moment really, really needing to. So I pray you'd help us. Give us ears to hear and understanding. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A ticket agent, the bus station of a mountain town kept a parrot for company in the ticket office. At rush times, the ticket agent was overwhelmed with impatient masses of people pushing to get up to the window and purchase their tickets. Frequently, the ticket agent had to remind them, one at a time, gentlemen, one at a time. Apparently, the parrot absorbed all of this. One day, the ticket agent carelessly left the parrot cage's door open. The parrot flew off into the nearby woods. Searching through woods, the ticket the ticket agent was a, attracted to a large tree where a flock of noisy crows were diving, bombing, dive-bombing the parrot. Near the tree, the agent spotted his parrot cowering among the swollen roots of the tree. And as the ebony streaks of screaming crows swooped down towards the parrot, it called out, one at a time, gentlemen, one at a time. <laughs> Don't you wish the troubles of life came one at a time? But seemingly, troubles come all at once. It seemed like they all hit them at the same time. Whatever you want to call it, this bird, (laughs) as well as the children of Israel, find themselves in a pickle. You ever find yourself in a pickle? You ever find yourself between the devil and the deep blue sea? Don't know which way, don't, don't know where to go, don't want know to go left, don't know to go right, don't know to go down, don't know to go up. You don't know which way to go. 
That's where they find themselves at tonight. And that's why we read the Old Testament, because God sovereignly placed these things in his word so we could understand them. We read about that truth again in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Whatsoever things were written before time were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We read these biblical accounts that are true, more true than Pinocchio, okay, more true than, you know, the elephant with the fluffy ears, the floppy ears, and all those gumbo and all those, more, more true than that. This, this is, these things actually happen, and they're for our edification and for our learning that we might have hope. We might have hope. First of all, we see the reasoning of Pharaoh and God. Who's giving the orders here? Who's, who's leading this? Who's, who's al- who is making this hap- happen? Well, if you're through reading this scripture, chapter 14, 1 through 15, we can see the Lord is, is in all of these things. The Lord is leading them out. The Lord is hardening Pharaoh's heart. The Lord is guiding. The Lord is leading. And dear friend, what is happening in your life, do not think it's merely happenstance. Do not think it's luck. Do not think your situation is whimsical. Do not think it just happens. No, dear friend. Things happen in the Christian's life for a reason and a purpose. At lunch this morning, Miss Ann asked me, why do, why do troubles come? And I gave her several reasons why troubles come. But troubles come in our life ultimately for our good and God's glory. Now, I can't tell you specifically in every situation exactly why they happen, because even going back to the story of Job, the true, the, true, the true account of biblical account of Job, Job was going through something he did not understand and could not possibly understand, that what was going up in the heavens between the God and the, and the devil, he couldn't understand that. He couldn't grasp that at that time. But in the midst of all that was going on, though he didn't understand exactly what was going on, He trusted God anyway. So the Lord is leading this. God was leading the Hebrews through this trial for he wanted his people to learn valuable lessons. And it's only through difficulty that we learn the lessons. The old coach said to me on the two a days in August on on that grassy field in Taylor, South Carolina, no pain, no gain. Used to be when it didn't have so many rules about football, and I understand why they placed them in there. Used to be, we had to get up twice in August. We had to get up, and it's hot in Greenville, South Carolina, let me tell you. We used to get up and having to go sometimes without for a whole hour or more without any water. And we'd go out there and we'd, we'd hit each other and, and, and run and, and, see, and run and then some run some more. And full pads, helmet, shoulder pads, pants. And we would do it two or three hours in the morning, go home. Sometimes go to work, come back, do it again in the afternoon. What was the purpose of all of that to teach us the importance of working hard? If you want anything in life, you're going to have to work hard. I remember uh, somehow my best friend told me that I should wrestle. Oh, my soul, why did he he talk me into that? Wrestling is one of the most difficult things. I'm not talking about wrestling. I'm talking about actually wrestling, guys. I'm not talking about those things you see on TV, people jumping off the, off the top rope and doing some kind of crazy thing. I'm talking about actually men in the ring wrestling one another. 
Because when you're wrestling, it's just you and another person. And you're using all your strength that you have, and he's using all the strength that he has to pin you, get you out of that, to score points so they can win. I remember at the regional finals, somehow or another, I got to the place at the end of it, we were tied, I think we were tied six to six. And I was on, on my back, and I looked up to coach, and I felt like I was dead, and he looked at me and said, you have to keep on going. I just wanted to crawl in a hole and die. That's all I cared about, to crawl in a hole and die. But I, by the grace of God, I finished, and by the grace of God, I won. But you know what? All those taught me a lesson in life. You can't quit. So many people in life quit. About everywhere I go nowadays, whether it be car dealerships or Sonny's or Nace Hardware or Lowe's, everybody's telling me they can't find nobody to work for them because everybody shows up and before long they quit. Because we're raising a generation of quitters. Because somehow they had the idea that grass is greener on the other side. Dear friends, if you're a Christian, you show up on time, you work hard, you are a valuable asset for some company right now. Because we're, we're in a world where folks won't even show up to work, much less work when they get there, much less work to 5 o'clock when it's over, and then actually show up the next day. What were they going through in Egypt? They were learning to trust God through the difficult times of life. They learned patience. James chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Romans 5, 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. You mean, not, not, not rainbows and unicorns worketh patience? You mean not soft pillows and watching Hallmark Christmas movies worketh patience? You mean not eggnog and, and frosty flakes work patience? No. <laughs> Tribulation worketh patience. Why am I going through these things? Dear friend, because God's trying to teach you patience. You know, college is a crazy thing. You actually pay people thousands of dollars to hurt you. <laughs> you pay somebody. You pay a professor teacher thousands of dollars to give you assignments and you, you but you wouldn't do it yourself you could do it yourself you could learn a lot of these things especially now for free now you wouldn't get that piece of paper unless you printed it off and said you did it and some people are probably doing that i know a lot of preachers put up ordination certificates and they ain't gone one day to this college or anything like that but that's a different sermon altogether but what is all that teaching you patience that homework, that test, that quiz, that project. What did college teach me? Well, it taught me a lot of things, but it, one thing it taught me is to finish and be patient and stick to it no matter what. Job 23.10, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as copper, as brass, as tin, no, dear friend, it's gold. Will you allow God to work in your life so you'll come forth as gold? Or you settle with copper? Will you settle with aluminum? You look around and say, that guy's aluminum, that guy's brass, that guy's silver. 
What does God want to work in you? He wants to work gold in your life. Maybe that's why you're having the headache. Maybe that's why you have that pain every time you get up. Maybe that's why you have that arthritis. That's, maybe that's why you have that sick friend. That's my way you have that, t- that teacher who seems to be, t- well, you know. Maybe that's why. If Israel could see the Red Sea situation from God's perspective, God's viewpoint, the worry barometer would barely have a reading at all. But they couldn't see it from God's perspective. All they could see was right in front of them and what was behind them. And that's all we could see. All we can see is the next day. And sometimes we don't understand that. But in the midst of that, we can have peace. Isaiah 26, 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Look at these places that they went through. Pihiroth. This is labeled the place of liberty. It was a location that proved to be a place of liberty. Once and for all, Israel will be finally delivered from those who held them as slaves. Migdal signifies a tower or fortress. God demonstrated himself to be a fortress to his people who were helpless and under attack. Zephion. this means the Lord of the north in the Bible. The north is frequently associated with judgment. Isaiah 1431, Hallowgate cry, Hallowgate and cry, O city, thou, O Philistia, art dissolved, for there shall come from the north a smoke, and none shall be alone in this appointed time. Jeremiah 114, the Lord said to me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. It was a holy God who in judgment dealt with Pharaoh and his army. We see in verse 3, for Pharaoh will slay all the children of Israel. They are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. The word entangled here, entangled, is from the Hebrew, which means to be confused, perplexed, lost. You ever find yourself in that spot? You ever find yourself lost, perplexed, confused? Yeah, well, this is an opportunity here, as, as we sang that, that first song, for God to get the glory. For God to get the glory or not. And when we go through trials, when we go through temptations, it's an opportunity for God to get the glory in it. Well, how will we respond to the trial? How will we respond to the test? We can be like the rest of the world and just cry, criticize, get bitter, get mad, and blame all our troubles on everybody else. Or we can trust in God that we're going through it for a reason and for a purpose. And though I can't understand See his hand, I can understand. I know his heart. I can trust him. We see the reasoning of Pharaoh and in God, but the regret of Pharaoh, verse 5, it says, And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of the Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have thou done this, that we have let Israel go from the serving of us? <laughs> What's Pharaoh think? He thought he made a mistake. He thought he was. He thought he. He thought he'd fail. What was I? What was I'm think, What am I thinking? He probably thought to him, himself. And sometimes in life, we get our thinking messed up too, don't we? We start thinking we can handle sin. Oh, that's a mistake. We start thinking that God is not strong enough to take care of us. Oh, that's a mistake. We start thinking that God doesn't see our situation. That we're all by ourselves. That God doesn't care. That God doesn't know. Oh, that's a mistake. Those are mistakes. Don't let Satan cause you to regret leaving the old life of immorality, of drunkenness, of pornography, of stealing, all the sins of the past, and pursuing the light. 
Oh, the temptation to go back to the old way is strong. The flesh is strong. The Bible says in Proverbs 26, 11, a dog returned to his vomit, so a fool returned to his folly. Oh, the temptation is strong to do wrong. But dear friend, we must recognize we must follow the Lord and trust him. Pharaoh made a bad decision, I'm sure. He must to himself, why did I let the children of Israel go? But decisions that we make in life are not based on what we can't see. It's based on what we can see. It's based on the truth. Make your decisions in life based on principles that are found in the word of God. Dear friend, you don't have to stick your fingers, stick in the air, and see which, wind the way, which way the wind blows. What does the Bible say? Follow the word of God, and it will never fail. Even if your circumstances don't turn out to be the right way, if you trust in God, it's the right way. Oh, you might, you might not get the outcome that you want, but dear friend, it, may, it doesn't matter whether you get the outcome what you want. The, the question is, did you please the Lord in the doing of it? The method, how you did it. Were you honest? Were you forthright? You know, you're at the cashier and that lady, poor soul, didn't learn how to count somehow. And she gave you 20 more dollars than she should. You, you, and you put it in your pocket. At that moment, you have to make a decision. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to live in the flesh. You just walked out. Now, you have a perfect opportunity to step back and say, ma'am, you know what? I, I think there was a mistake here. Here's, a, here's $20. It was, too, it was $2 too much. I'm going to give back to you. And by the way, we're from North Gainesville Baptist Church. An honest man who can find. Not many Christians would even do that, much less folks out there in the world. They'd say, $20, finders, keepers, losers, reapers. It wasn't your $20, friend. It wasn't your $20. Get your $20 back. Are you honest? Nobody will see. God sees. And the problem is, see, friend, once you start down that road to compromise, what else are you going to compromise? See, you get in the habit of doing wrong, you'll continue down the road of doing wrong. But you get in the habit of doing right and listen to the Holy Spirit, the next time a bigger temptation comes, you'll do right the next time. You'll have, you have more opportunity to do right the next time. But you have to choose it by faith, trusting God. We see the reasoning of Pharaoh and God, the regret of Pharaoh, but thirdly, the reaction and revenge of Pharaoh. Pharaoh recruits his army to attack Israel. 600 chosen chariots may have been from the royal bodyguards of the king. One historian by the name of Herodotus said that there were 2,000 of the best men in his guard that were chosen out every year. The rest of the chariots of Egypt were summoned, realized that the chariots were the tanks of the time. Listen about these chariots. They're, these chariots carried three people, a driver, defender, of the chariot and a warrior. Three, these weapons were made of wood, of metal uh, calves placed over the wheels. They were from, uh, powered by two or four horses, which were usually thoroughbreds renowned for strength, stamina, and spirit. So here these chariots come with these three men on them, and here comes, and, and there's the children of Israel. Logically, realistically thinking, the children of Israel had no And sometimes in life we look at the circumstances and you look at the look at the you look at the bills you have. And you look at your new mortgage payment and it just went up because taxes gone up in Gainesville. 
your power bill just went up in Gainesville. Oh, this went up. That went up. Everything's going up. How am I going? I'm making the same amount of money. How am I going to do? What am I, what am I going to cut? Groceries going up a little bit, hadn't it, ladies? Can't buy the same things you do this year that you bought last year. What am I going, what am I going to do? What am I, what am I going to compromise? How about the tithe? Tithe's the easiest thing to go. Nobody will know. Preacher won't know. He promised he wouldn't tell nobody. He wouldn't look. Does he keep his promise? Pete knows, I do. But who will know? God will know. God will know. Man, it got quiet in here. It got quiet in here. I wonder why it got so quiet. Mm. What are you going to do when, it's, when you get squeezed? Man, I can't, have, I can't enjoy my coffee every day. I don't get no more creme brulee. I can't eat out. I can't go to the store. When you're squeezed, when money becomes tight, what do you choose to do when GRU comes for you? What do you do? Who do you trust? Do we return back to our old ways of focusing on ourselves, doing what we want? Second Peter 2.22, but it happened unto them according to the true proverb, a dog, dog returned to its own vomit again, and a sow that was washed her into a wallowing in the mire. The temptation of us all is to go back to the flesh, isn't it? Me and mine. Remember the first part of the first words you said when you came, when you were actually able to speak. Mama, daddy, or mine. Mine, mine. We go back to that selfish nature of trying to control everything. Fix it. Figure it out. And if we are in any way harmed, or damage, or we don't get what we want, we kind of act like the kids do in nursery school when they, in the nursery when, they, when a, a new toy comes in. Mine! I want that for myself! Mm. Israel departed Egypt with a high hand, which means they left Egypt defiantly, boldly, confidently, victoriously. Numbers 33, 3, and they departed from Ramses in the first month, in the 15th day of the month, on the morrow after the Passover of the children of Israel went out with a high hand inside of the, all the Egyptians. You know what a Satan hates? He hates a Christian who's victorious. Now, he don't mind if you complain. Oh, man, he loves it when a Christian complains. He loves when a Christian is a hypocrite. He, he loves it. He loves to see folks come on Sunday and act like the devil on Monday. That's about norm. That's about, he loves that. He said, man, I got, I, got me, I got something like that. They come in talking about victory on Jesus, but on Monday morning when they have to show up to work, they act like the devil. Boss tells them something to do, and they look at the boss like he's a crazy person. That person actually has authority over you. You might not like their personality, but you've got to honor their position. That's Bible, folks. That's Bible. A whole lot of folks in life, we might not like their personality as people over us. But you're not to follow them personality. You're to follow their position. Because God's placed authority in our life for a purpose and a reason. God was working through Pharaoh to teach them some lessons. Satan hates victorious Christians. He hates the fact that we can live by faith and trust him. That's why he's always out to destroy us. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he devour. So we see the reasoning of Pharaoh, the regret of Pharaoh, the reaction and revenge of Pharaoh, but the response, the response of those precious lives. 
response of fear in verse 10. The Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They were so afraid, the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. What do you do when things get tight? Do you cry out to the Lord for help, or do you get critical about the situation? Do you cry out and say, Lord, you get in your prayer closet, get down on your knees, get down on your hands and knees, or sometimes, as people have in the Bible, they just get plain prostrate. I mean, that's when it's serious, when they just get down on their face. I mean, their, their nose is touching the ground. There's been times throughout the history of Israel, you see the kings, they just got on their face before God. The news was that terrible, and they cried out to God in their time of trouble. What do you do? How do you respond? And then the easiest thing is to criticize the situation, to blame the administration, to talk about the problems of the world. To compare yourself to other people. There's all, all kinds of ways. Blame shift. That's what we love to do. That's what Adam and Eve did, right? The problem is from the woman you gave me. <laughs> and then we blame the snake, and the snake didn't have a lamp, two, two feet to stand on. We blame everything but ourselves. What is your attitude when the pressure comes on you? Well, listen to this one person. I heard a story about this, about this guy. He was, he was scared. He didn't know what to do. Oh, he was just a, a young fellow. And mama, mama said, go down, to the, go down to the pantry and get something out of that pantry. And he said, Mama, I, I don't want to go down to the pantry. It's, just, it's, it's downstairs. It's, just, it's scary down there. It's, it, it, it's, too, it's frightful. I, I don't want to go down there. And she had to tell him over and over, go down there. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Just like we hear over and over, listen, trust in God. Don't be afraid. Believe in me. Finally, he gets down there because mama had told him, son, no matter where you are in life, Jesus is with you. So he got down to the top of the stairs and he cried out, Jesus, are you there? He went back to mama. He said, mama, I can't see. I, can't, I don't know. Where's Jesus? He said, don't you believe in Jesus? Don't you? Can't you trust in Jesus? Go down there. Get me that can of tomato soup like I told you. So he went down to about the third step. He said, Jesus, if you're there, will you give me that can of soup? <laughs> oh dear friend I wish, I wish we had the faith that Jesus was there the same way I wish we had the same type of trust they were afraid they did the right thing in taking their concerns to the Lord the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3 call on me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not you say well that's the Old Testament folks dear friend the same thing is true today when you're going through trials and difficulties what are you going to do you're going to look on Facebook for hope. Social media will help you. You're going to call a 1-800 number. You're going to try the psychic. You're going to look at the, hor the, the, the graphs, the signs in the sky, the astronomy. Or you're going to look to the word of God and God to help you. We see the response of fear, the response of frustration, fierceness, 11 and 12. It says, and they said unto Moses, because thou wert no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken away to die in the wilderness, wherefore... Thou hast dealt with us to carry us from out of Egypt. The other things we do, instead of getting fearful, we start blaming the circumstances on other people, don't we? It's your fault. It's your fault, Moses. You, you, you're, you're the reason why we're in this pickle. You're the reason why we're in this situation. God's people are so upset with Moses and are blaming him for their predicament. And that's what we do sometimes. We stress out. 
because we get so stressed out, instead of dealing with it and trusting God and crying out to the Lord, we lash out at people. We blame others. Moses was the leader of the people. It appears it's a natural thing. They say, well, surely he's a poor leader. Surely he, he, he did us wrong. There's no graves there in Egypt. He brought us out here to die. The people had the wrong presumption. Faith looks beyond the difficulties. Faith doesn't blame others for problems. Faith trusts. Trials motive us, motivates, motivates us to blame others if we're not careful. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now to him that is able to exceedingly abundantly, do abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Sometimes, friends, it's not someone else's fault. It's simply the circumstance that we're in and God's allowing it for a purpose in, in our life. What type of attitude will you have in the midst of that trial? <laughs> I, heard of attitude, I heard about a lady who woke up one morning, looked in the mirror, and noticed she only had three hairs on her head. That's a predicament. Well, she said, I think I'll braid my hair today. <laughs> so she did, and she had a wonderful day. The next day, she woke and looked in the mirror, and she saw that she only had two hairs on her head. And she said, I think I'll part my hair right down the middle today so she did and she had a grand day the next day she woke up and she looked in the mirror and noticed she only had one hair on her head on the top of her head and she said you know what I'll wear my hair in a ponytail and so she did and so the next day she woke up and she did not have one hair on her head and she shouted, I don't have to fix my hair today. <laughs> rejoice, ladies, rejoice. <laughs> I tell you what, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> oh, I just wear a wig. With a response in faith, look at verse 13 and 14. As Moses said to the people, fear you not. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which we will show you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. The response of faith. Moses didn't get fearful. Moses didn't get afraid. You, hear, you, you notice Moses didn't, didn't clamor back and say, well, you know, you dirty, rotten Israelites. <laughs> you didn't talk about how bad they were or how, how God has done all these miracles for them. He didn't preach them a sermon. He just said, stand still and look at the salvation of the Lord. That's what we need to do. Neither do we. The Bible says in Psalm 60, uh, 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the people. I will be in the exalted among the earth. What do you do in the midst of trial? Be still. Don't run there. Don't run left. Don't call everybody. Don't get fretful. Don't panic and make a decision you think that's going to hurt the rest of your life. When people get stressed, when you go through stress, friend, that's not the time to make a major decision in life. You know what you do? First thing, you need to stop, be still, and pray. Pray. God, you saved me from, you saved me from my sin so, so I won't die and go to hell. If I can trust you to save my soul from hell, surely I can trust you through this situation. 
Again, friend, if you trust Jesus Christ for your eternal life, can't you trust him for the next day? Don't you think he can handle it? Do you think God's arms are too short that he cannot save? He, you think he can't help you in your difficulty, in your situation? Does it, don't you think if he loved you enough to die for your sins, he loves you enough to take care of you tomorrow? Sure he does. But will you trust him? Will you trust him? The word be still here means to relax. Let it sink in like you would sink down in a chair and relax. Relax. Be in a meditative mode. Pray. Ask God. Beg God. Don't get stressed out. Don't make a bad decision. Don't call 50 people on the phone to start being critical of all the problems in life. Be still. Be still. In all the world, we have so much to do, but what we do the least is be still. Be still. God doesn't want us running around in circles. That's what we tend to do. He wants us to live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For if we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. While we look on not on things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Spurgeon said, faith knows that whenever you get a black envelope from heaven's post office, there's treasure in it. God has treasures for you and me. Some of those treasures are found in the fire. The three Hebrews found the pearl of peace in the presence of God in the fiery furnace. And there in the midst of the furnace, that's where you'll find the Prince of Peace. And then you'll have the opportunity to do something that most folks don't get an opportunity to do. Share with others what God has done through that trial, through that difficulty. How do they respond? Verse 15, response of forwardness. It says in verse 15 here, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that thou go forward. What does he want us to do? Be still. And then after we've been still a while, and we prayed, and we've asked God, then go forward. The problem is we go forward, then we try to be still. It has to be the right sequence. Be still. Be quiet before God. Then go forward. Go forward. Along the Tucky Highway parked a mammoth motor truck van. The driver was standing at the tractor from which the front wheel had been removed. A pastor stopped by to see if he needed any assistance, but the trucker thanked him and said he'd already sent for help. Here burned out one wheel bearing, another was on its way, and the pastor pulled away. His eyes caught the lettering of the side of the van, Standard Oil Company of Kentucky, Lubricants Division. He burned out a bearing hauling grease, grease, grease which could have prevented his problem. Beloved, God has given us everything necessary for us to go forward. If we'll simply trust in what he's given us. Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for the joy which was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Going forward does not contradict standing still. This is simply a proper spiritual order. Stand still, then go forward. Go forward. For by faith, Abraham, when he was called out of the, out of the place which he should after receive an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing where he went. Our lives must be totally entrusted to God, and we go forward. I wonder tonight, are you in a pickle? Are you in a difficulty? 
you found yourself disappointed, you find yourself discouraged, you, you, you find yourself defeated. Or, dear friends, it's not how many times you fall down, it's how many times you get back up. Not in your own strength, but by the grace of God. Trust him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The things that you learned in Sunday school apply in your life right now. You heard the stories of Daniel and the lion's den. We need more Daniels. You heard the story about David and the five smooth stones who took out that tall giant Goliath by faith. Oh, we need some more Davids. The devil looks to see our failures and says, I got you. Right when Jesus had said to Peter, you're going to deny me. And, of course, Peter said, no, I'm not going to deny you. Though everybody else deny me, deny you, I'm not going to deny you. And, of course, just like Jesus said, Peter went out and denied him three times. At that moment, he could have been crushed and done the same thing that Judas went out and hung himself. But instead of being rebellious, Peter repented and trusted in Christ. That could have been a gotcha moment by the devil. Peter, the one that Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter, the leader of the disciples, you denied Jesus three times, I gotcha. Yes, Peter failed. Yes, Peter wept bitterly, but he got up. And it wasn't long he was preaching and thousands were being saved. What was God doing in his life? He was giving, he was perfecting Peter. He was maturing Peter. He was helping Peter be the man of God that he needed be, to be in life. What are you going through? What difficulty, what trial, what problem, what pain, what sorrow? Maybe it be is completely for the purpose of you simply trusting God. Oh, you maybe had to trust God when you were little in, in some things, and you did. When you got older, maybe as a teenager, trust God in other areas, and you did. Someone said, higher level, bigger devil. Now you're going to have to trust God here. You have to trust God here. The question is, will you? Will you trust him? Live not by happenstance. Think life is not a mistake. Think life is not just some cruel joke. No. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Dear friend, your steps are ordered by the Lord. Trust him. Whatever you're going through tonight, whatever the difficulty, God himself is worthy of your trust. He's never failed you in the past. He's never failed you in the present. And he'll never fail you in the future. You can trust him. You can trust him. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, for an allowing us to be sometimes between the devil and the deep blue sea. Between the Red Sea in front of us and Pharaoh behind us, we get in this pickle in life. We don't know where to go. We get confused. And it's easy in that confusion to make mistakes. Our attitude, our actions, sometimes are not what they should be. We tend to act like the world gets self-focused, self-absorbed, self-consumed 
Instead of looking up, we look in. But, oh, Lord, teach us the truth from this biblical account of the children of Israel who was in that same situation. Help us like who they did to, as Moses said, be still. May we be still and listen to you, to listen to your word, to trust you again and more and further than we ever have before. Head bowed, eyes closed. Maybe someone in this room's never, you never placed your faith in Jesus Christ in your life. Maybe you say, Pastor, I don't have any of this type of faith. I, I, don't, have, I don't even know if I'm saved or not. Oh, dear friend, it would be a great night if you wasn't sure you're saved to get saved. 